Hello and welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we keep you up to date with the latest trends, drivers and moves in livestock, grain and oilseed and fibre markets. My name's Olivia Agar. Thanks for listening into episode 227. So it's that time of year again where we take stock and wrap up the key insights across a range of commodity markets. Mercado's latest quarterly market insights report is just around the corner. It's being released on Wednesday the 26th of April. If you're on the mailing list, keep an eye out on your inbox. But today's episode is a bit of a prelude to the report. Robert Herman and Ethan Woolley are joining me to talk through some of the most important themes and watch points for cattle, sheep, grain, wool, cotton and sugar markets and try and fit all of that into one episode. So with that in mind, we'll get straight into the episode. Thanks for joining me both and firstly, welcome to Rob. Hi Liv, yes, very excited. Thanks and then a, a very warm welcome and introduction to Ethan Woolley. And for listeners that might not recognise the name, Ethan's part of our team here. And while it's your first time as a guest on Commodity Conversations, Ethan, it's, you know, you're really the person that makes it running behind the scenes. So it's great to have you on the mic today. Thanks, Livia. Glad to be here. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, we might kick off, I think, with cattle to start with. And Rob, I know you've been looking at this market closely and we really saw cattle prices start to come off in quarter four of, of last year. So what's the movement been so far? Well, the movement's still been um, negative for our cattle producers, Liv. And uh, uh, as reported in the report, you know, we've we've fell by a bit over 25% in, in terms of the Eastern Young Cattle Indicator. So, it, and it was across the board, all specifications, you know, had some decline and some were steeper than others, of course. I guess that was partly due to the fact that we saw supply um, increase. Uh, in some areas, while we still have good seasonal conditions live, in some areas people are just being a little bit cautious as to how they let their herds build up now and I guess they're turning off a few more stock than normal. Yeah, I guess the, the change in outlook is a part of that story as well. But were there any positive signs or, or shining lights in the cattle or beef market that you've seen? One of the key ones was that the cattle prices are still around and very close to the five-year average levels, as as reported in, in the report. Um, a shining light, though, has been the um, 90 CL lean beef into the US. The imported lean beef prices have benefited from um, you know, a declining domestic beef supply in the US. So an indicator that, um, you know, the demand may be starting to put a floor under these cattle prices. Are there any other factors that we should be keeping our eye on that you, you've seen? Um, we know that any herd liquidation in the US um, puts pressure on Australian cattle prices. It just looks like we're running at the end of that. So that's good. Uh, and you know, when they do start to, when they do get the end of it and start to rebuild, of course, then they have a stronger demand for imports of, of Australian beef. So we look forward to that. And um, the other one, which is just touched on in the report, is the um, is that China is still struggling with African swine fever. Um, it's it's not always absolutely clear what the situation is in China, but we know that um, the pig industry over there is being impacted. Um, at the moment, um, you know, pork prices are reasonably stable over there. There's not not a lot happening. Um, but if we do see any uh, reduction in pork protein, then we know in the past that's translated into some increase in demand for beef. So um, we watch that with interest. 
And I think there's a lot of hope that relations between Australia and China are on the improve as well. So that might be another, you know, good factor to, to watch for as well. You know, they've got a big appetite over there and a big population. And um, it's good to see that we're that our relationship seems to be on the mend. Let's switch to wool, Rob. And, you know, the market seemed to perform pretty well in quarter one. Um, what was the, was that result consistent across all the different micron ranges? Um, look, it wasn't. Generally, the market was um, was better. Uh, whether we look at it in Australian dollar terms, you know, the change quarter on quarter, we're talking about average for the quarter here was 7.1% in Australian dollar terms. And in US dollar terms, the Eastern market indicator was 11% better. So, so that's a good sign. The fine micron premium we'd seen early in 2022 on the on the back of the ending of the drought, so which reduced supply of fine wool, that fine micron premium seemed to be capped and start to retreat, um, pushing down to sort of where it was in, in 2022 levels. And what about that supply backlog? I know there were a lot of concerns about the wet spring and summer. Did we see any impact of that? Look, we, we what we saw an impact in that um, supply went up, and that, that was fairly predictable because the the sales were getting held up. We know that fleece weights were better in, and that's the case in good seasons. So we had more wool per sheep, and we've got more sheep. But however, the fears that that supply um, increase would swamp the market weren't didn't come through, and that's a good sign. Um, the market seemed to absorb those volumes. You know, the supply chain absorbed a record quarterly volumes of 16 to 18 micron wool, and they paid good money for that. So it it seems like the, on the demand side, um, the market's pretty solid. Now, my turn to ask you some questions, Liv. Um, and you've been looking at the lamb market. It's been, uh, you know, we've had a turbulent time for so, in the sheep and lamb market for some time. What happened in the last quarter? Yeah, how's Robin? You know, lamb supplies have been stronger than last year, and there are still some constraints on processes, which inevitably leads to lower prices. So, if you look at the restock market, we know that the growth in the flock has resulted in you know demand from restockers really fall away. So, if you take the New South Wales restocker indicator, that's was sitting around eighteen percent lower in quarter one than the prior quarter, and it's about twenty four percent below five year average levels. The finish uh, end of the market, it was holding pretty firm in the first couple of months of the year, but really started to fall away in February. And so, both the the trade and the heavy lamb indicators lost about a hundred cents. Um, there has been a bit of a bounce after that, um, you know, it's a disruptive time of year with processes and, and sales disrupted because of public holidays. So a bit of a mixed bag, but really the um, the other one to take note of it is the mutton market. And it's been pretty depressed since late 2022. Prices have been hovering in the 300 to 400 cents per kilo range. Um, and the last time we saw mutton this cheap was way back in 2015 and 16. So it does suggest that it's not just a supply story, but it is a bit of a demand one with a bit of weakness in either the export end or at the processor level. So you mentioned back in 2016 was the last time we saw this. Now, back then, we used to see um, some re real seasonality in the market. So at this time of the year, we'd usually start to see what we would call a winter price rally. 
Um, we didn't see it last year. Um, what are we expecting this season? Yeah, pretty similar story to last year. So the survey data would tell us that about 50% of producers surveyed sold less than they planned from October through to December, which does tell you to suggest that there should be a lot more lambs coming on, you know, in the first half of year. So traditionally that that big winter supply decline um, isn't probably as likely again this year, which unfortunately means there's not a whole lot of scope for that winter price rally that would normally reward producers for carrying through their lambs in, in summer and autumn. Um, if you sort of look further down the road on, on the supply front, though, uh, we are still expecting lamb slaughter to, to increase, um, according to Meat and Livestock Australia in 2024, and then be pretty similar in 2025. Those increases in numbers aren't huge, though. So, you know, as we do see supply increase, lamb prices should probably continue to trend downwards until 2024, but the difference should be uh, relatively minor. So, you know, stronger prices aren't, aren't out of the question, but for that, we're always going to need improving demand. And, and there are some, you know, positives out there that we might might see that could happen. Now, I love in the report that you have this little segment for each commodity called the side dish um, and, and where we look at something just a little bit left field, I guess. But this one's maybe not so left field because what we're talking about is the US sheep uh, industry. And given that the US is one of our most important uh, lamb markets, especially for heavy lambs, um, just talk us through what, what the point is you're making here on, on the, the side dish and uh, and if I can just preempt it, the uh, the headline is the U.S. sheep flock goes bad. <laughs> it's a highlight of my day when I can put a sheep pun in any story, Bob. So <laughs> <laughs> it's the little things. Um, but yeah, so the the sheep industry in the U.S. is obviously very different to here in Australia. Um, unlike here in the U.S., it's really confined to the marginal areas. So we've seen that the U.S. flock and, and the lamb crops been shrinking, which is, you know, a good news sign for Australian producers. So while drought's been part of that story in the declining U.S. flock, it, it's not the only cause because we have seen this trend since about 2000, uh, the U.S. breeding ewe flocks shrunk by 32 percent. And some of that is encroaching cattle country um, and cropping as well. And, you know, with that declining breeding ewe flock comes a decline in the, the lamb crop. And um, so that will be a factor that, you know, continues to support our exports into the US. And especially when we see economic conditions around the world improve, that, that extra demand should help to soak up some of the increasing supplies out of Australia. Well, um, that's a good summary, Liv, and, um, and it makes good reading. Um, let me throw a pun in now. Let's let's go to the sweet side of the report and uh, you can give Ethan a few um, curly questions. Yeah, yeah. Ethan has been following the, the sugar market closely up north. So, you know, what can you tell us about what's been happening in the sugar market here in Australia, Ethan? 
Well, uh, things are looking sweet, Rob. So uh, it's it's good news for Australian cane growers. It's a bit of a purple patch. Um, on the back of last year's rainfall, there's bumper yields expected for the 2022-23 cane crop. And it's uh, really coming at an opportune time because the, uh, the sugar futures are trading at a bit of a premium at the moment. As we sit, the ICE sugar futures, they're trading over 24 US dollars to the pound. So that's the highest it's been since 2012. And uh, yeah, in Aussie dollar terms, as we approach $800 a tonne, it's um, a great time to be pushing productivity on the farm. So what's been driving that, Ethan? To put it simply, the sugar markets, they're going through a period of tight global supply and there's increased consumption demand. Um, on that demand side, uh, sugar markets have been impacted like most markets have by the OPEC announcement last year of the reduced oil production. So as we all know, the sugar's going in into ethanol and um, as consumers are searching for oil alternatives, that ethanol demand shifting up and the sugar demand is being dragged with it, which is uh, fueling the price rise, pardon the pun there. Um, from a supply side, uh, there's a bit of a balancing act happening. So Brazil, they're going to have another big crop. But um, they're also going to have a lot of big crops and other commodities. So there's a lot of strain going on in their sort of export logistics at the moment. So how much of that sugar makes it to market uh, is yet to be seen. Um, and the other competitors, such as India and Thailand, they're big producers as well. They've sort of walked back their production forecast. So um, at best, the global landscape is going to be a modest supply, a supply surplus there. Um, I guess another key element, as well, going back to the ethanol, is that some of these uh, exporters, Brazil, India, the EU, they're going to be repositioning some of that sugar for ethanol blending. So uh, not all that could be exported will be exported. That's really important and really beneficial for a net exporter such as uh, Australians can growers. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a good time to be having a lot of productivity and a lot of product going onto the, uh, the open market. Sounds like there's some pretty favourable fundamentals there. So what about cotton? I know that's another one you're looking at and we're nearly at harvest time for cotton. So are you seeing some of those same you know, fundamental factors benefit that are benefiting sugar in, in the cotton market too? I, I wish I could say the same for the, for the cotton growers listening, but um, unfortunately, current economic conditions, while they present opportunities for others, there's a bit of challenge going on in the, in the cotton at the moment. Um, from a production standpoint, again, Australian cotton producers, they're going to put forward a, another significant harvest. ABES projecting 5.3 million bales, so that would be about the third highest on record. But unfortunately, that uh, demand probably isn't where the net exporter such as Australia would want it to be. Um, unlike a lot of the sort of globally traded commodities at the moment, there is ample global supply for cotton and uh, the short-term demand uh, just isn't there to cope with that at the moment. Um, a lot of that's the sluggish economic conditions and inflation. So a lot of the end-use consumers are feeling that and it's finding its way uh, in the cotton market. Um, again, it's also taking a lot of time for the supply chain to work through the inventories they already had um, as there was that rush um, a while ago there for cotton. So they're still working through that. And uh, that's pretty much evident in the cotton price because uh, nearby futures are receding back to where they were at five-year average levels. So, um, yeah, those highs we saw in May in 2022, uh, we're, we're coming down from that. So what I'm hearing, Ethan, these sort of sound like more, more short-term factors, but what are we expecting in the longer term? 
Well, eventually those inventories will have to go down and inflation and rate rises will ease. So globally, that demand will bounce back and uh, the, mil- the mills, when they're looking for more supply, will follow suit, and that's going to help support the market. Uh, another important thing to, I guess, factor in is when the Chinese import growth starts to happen, that's going to boost demand, and that'll be welcome for all the exporters in the markets. And uh, that that China impact will be will be very important because uh, there's a lot of talk about El Nino and how it impacts Australian growers, but um, El Nino is a is a benefit for US, Brazil, India, all of those big cotton producers when they're looking to um to grow. So if they're producing more, um, we're going to need that Chinese demand to to help prop up the market. Yeah, it sounds like everyone's sort of been sitting around waiting for that to kick in patiently and it, it just hasn't come yet, but hopefully it's not far off. Well, we might wrap up with grain, I think, at the end there. And, you know, to, to cover off on where we left at, at harvest um, for the 2022-2023 season, there, there was, you know, a challenging harvest. There was areas of abandonment and a lot of flooding in the East Coast, but the, the winter crop production is estimated at a new record of 67.3 million metric tonnes. So that's surpassing the last year's record that we already had of by 4 million metric tonnes. And, you know, from, from wheat to canola, there was new records, while barley, that was the third highest production on record. So if you pair that with, you know, the high prices, um, it's a pretty good outcome for Australian farmers this year. It's a really good story for um, the Australian crop um, and and Australian farmers have done pretty well and and we were a little bit surprised about how good it was despite some of the seasonal challenges there. But what's happening internationally and have there been any big changes in those fundamentals? Not a whole lot. So world markets are still really being influenced by all the military and political action around the Black Sea uh, we have seen futures prices drop uh, below those seen prior to the outbreak of war, and the traders really getting used to all the instability that's happening around. So on the global supply and demand front, um, despite setting new production records, world-ending stocks are still set to contract in 2022-23, and that does leave us with a pretty finely balanced position for, for wheat as we head into the new season. So the world stocks um, minus China, which we, we follow closely, is, is at the lowest since 2012 and 2013 season. Um, so sort of looking ahead, everyone really now has, has their eyes on the Northern Hemisphere crop uh, in the next couple of months, looking out for potential problems. And with, you know, all the unpredicted unpredictability around the Black Sea conflict, the, the wheat prices definitely got room to, to move well, um, you mentioned China there, and uh, we know they hold big stocks, but um, one of the positives is, we talked about this earlier, I think, is that they've hastened its review on the import duties imposed on Australian barley. What what do you think that's going to do and what sort of time frame before it has an impact on the market, Liv? Yeah, so it's very welcome news. And the time frame for that review, it's at three to four months at the moment, and it has created a lot of optimism. So Barley prices had actually recovered quite well from their initial collapse. 
Um, they would have been better, of course, if we've, we'd had the market access to China, especially for things like malt barley or product going out of your major export zones like South Australia and Western Australia. But the reality is that it's going to take some time before we really see any action and any real market effect. So by the middle of this year, the Northern Hemisphere barley will come online. So then it just really becomes a case of market dynamics and, you know, China will buy Aussie barley if it makes economic sense to do so. And if the trade does reopen in time for next harvest, we would expect barley prices to be higher relative to things like wheat and corn compared to where they are now. So definitely hope and a lot of optimism out there that things will improve there. Well, thanks so much to both of you for joining me today. It's been a really great wrap up of the commodity market highlights from last quarter, as well as some of the factors we'll be watching for the longer term outlook. If there are any listeners that aren't on the mailing list for the quarterly report and you'd like to be, please email askatmercado.com.au and we'll make sure you can get your hands on a copy. Thanks, everyone.